0: Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker.
1: Welcome to the Casting Across Fly Fishing Podcast. I'm Matthew of castingacross.com, where I explore the quarry and culture of fly fishing. You're now listening to the 262nd episode of the podcast, which happens to be a palindrome, which uh, has no bearing on the podcast whatsoever. Today we're talking about fly line again. And this is one of those little parts of fly fishing minutia that I think is something that everyone needs to consider at least a little bit. And so me talking for 18 to 20 minutes, maybe more than you've ever thought you've needed to think about it, but this is going to probably satisfy that quotient. But In reality, and this is my intention in the podcast and only putting a 20-minute podcast out with my one opinion, maybe even just giving a few other opinions I've come across over the years of my fly fishing, is that what I do and what I share and what you hear will send you on a journey to go explore this more fully because you may find a solution for your problem that is contradictory to mine. And that's okay. Um, There's some things that are truly true, capital T, true. And then there's other things that are true uh, that could be variables one way or another sending you in a different direction. And so when it comes to fly fishing, there's a lot of those. I mean, the right cast, what is the right cast? Well, the right cast is the cast that works for you. Is there a mechanically sound cast that sets you up for longer, more accurate presentations? Of course. But if you can get that fly to that fish, that is, at the end of the day, what matters the most. So this is one of those conversations that, uh, again, delves into the minutia. There's a couple different answers. I'll share my right answer, uh, but uh, we'll, we'll go from there. And what am I talking about? Fly line. We're talking about loop-to-loop connections, and we're talking about how to utilize them and when you should reevaluate how your fly line attaches to your leader. So, uh, again, there are ways to fish. Uh, with a fly rod and fly line and a leader that don't require a loop-to-loop connection. Uh, I don't encourage them. For most of our situations that we find ourselves in, we want a loop-to-loop connection of some sort. What does that mean? That means your fly line ends in a loop somehow, somewhere. And I'll talk about some of those options here in a minute. And then your leader has a loop somewhere. And then all you have to do is a loop-to-loop connection. And really, to, to try to explain this in the most simple terms as possible... You take the loop that's on the end of your leader and you run the entire loop through the loop at the end of your fly line. And then you take the tag end of your leader and you run it through the loop of the leader. So it doubles back on itself like a snake eating its own tail. That's another kind of palindrome, And actually, they might be giants had a song about that. But again, that goes beyond the scope of this podcast and this podcast episode. So that's what a loop-to-loop connection is. Now, this gives you a lot of versatility, and it also provides some security to your gear so that you're not having to cut into the terminal end of your fly line frequently. Now, that is a possibility. You can do that, and that will create a very strong and very smooth transition. But, like I said, for most situations and circumstances, and for most anglers, that's not the best plan of attack. Now, what are some of the things that you need to pay attention to when you talk about that loop-to-loop connection? Well, first and foremost, it's that your knots are good. We'll talk about a few of those different knots here in a minute. Secondly, you want to make sure it's a smooth transition. Because the last thing you want, if you have a good cast, if you have a good leader, if you're using good fly line, all these three things are important all three of them running at a high level is going to increase your odds of putting your fly where you want it in a way that's not going to spook fish. Having all those things working together, you do not want the weakest link to be that hinge between your line and your leader. So what would that look like? That would look like having a six weight fly line and then having a leader that has a five X butt section. So you go from a very thick, fly line to a very thin leader. Now you're going to go from thick fly line to thin leader, irrespective of what you choose to do. But having a good fly line that tapers down and has a nice head to it, even though there's a loop, and then a leader with a thicker butt section and a stiffer butt section is going to allow that hinge to be mitigated. It's going to be less of an impact on your cast. So that's what we're talking about is having a that loop to loop connection, even outside of the nature of the connection is the nature of the materials, both their diameter and their density. Um, and I would even actually add also their uh, how rigid or supple they are. Having those things come together, so you can actually have a thicker, heavier fly line and a thinner but more rigid uh, butt section, which is, of course, the, the section of your leader that is closest to your fly line. Um, having th- that be more rigid and then your fly line be a little thicker, that kind of compensates for the diameter and weight difference. Um, and you're n- it's never going to be perfect. I mean, it, it, I'm sure there's somebody who's tried to make it a perfect transition and they've got some sort of weird. Weird welded, melded uh, monofilament and fly line, but uh, that's for, for the future, not for today. So these are just some things to think about. Let's let's talk brass tacks. Let's talk very practically what this looks like. More often than not, today, if you buy fly line, what used to be reserved for only premium fly line, but now you find almost everywhere is a welded loop at the end of your fly line. It's now the industry standard. It's a factory-made loop at the terminal end of your fly line. But that being said, All aren't created equally. Larger loops might seem convenient, but if there is a very large loop at the end of your fly line, and I've seen some that are a little bit bigger, um, but really this really is more of an issue if you are using a really delicate fly rod that has a really small tip top. If you're using an antique rod, if you're using a custom-made fly rod that is on a really delicate ultralight style fly rod, that's where you're gonna run into really small snake guides once you get into that tip section and the tip top itself is maybe not as wide as it should be. And in those situations, then having a larger welded loop is actually a problem. Because another thing about these transitions, these loop to loop transitions is that I haven't mentioned is that you are going to run into situations, especially if you're fishing for trout, where that uh, leader is shorter than the length of your rod. And so you might actually have that loop-to-loop connection come back through your tip-top. Now, hopefully you can avoid this. And a lot of it is by discipline. Um, and a lot of it is just by situational awareness. But if you are fishing with a really long leader and you get that uh, that loop-to-loop connection that comes through your tip-top and into your snake guides, and then that fish goes for another run and it's a bigger fish, or if this, you, know, happened, you happen to be using a, um, you know, you're fishing in the salt and you have a bigger connection and it goes back into those guides and that striper takes off the blue fish takes off then if that thing gets hung up on that guide best case scenario uh, it pops that guide off and you're still fishing albeit in a little bit of a handicapped way but more often than not what happens is it's going to break your rod or it's going to snap your line and now you've lost the fish as well and so that's another reason why to have a good smooth transition. But part of that is having a small loop that is not going to get hung up as it moves to the guides. So the welded loops, you want to look at them and make sure it's going to fit in that rod. Well, um, it's not during casting. Remember, it's not, this it doesn't have a bearing on your casting. It's when you brought a fish in and that it makes run. So you want to take a look at this loop. Is it too big? Is the way that it has been welded, did the manufacturer make it? So it's really, really rigid for like two inches below that welded loop. Or if this is something where it seems like it sinks, if if that welded loop causes your fly line to sink, if it's always sinking right there, then that might be a reason to cut that off. And again, you're you're not paying for a welded loop; you're paying for a line that casts well. So if the the welded loop is the weakest part of that equation, then cut it off and don't feel bad about it. But for most of the fly lines I fish, with only a few exceptions, I fish that welded loop until that welded loop gives out. And how does it give out? Well, one in a few ways. One, I've tied enough uh, leaders on it, loop-to-loop connection leaders, um, where it actually creates a crease in it, and it cracks. When it cracks, a few things happen. Um, it creates a access point for water, and so it starts to sink, um, but also it is weakening. And you look at it, and you can pull it, and if that crack gets bigger and bigger as you pull it, even if you're having to exert quite a bit of energy pulling on that loop-to-loop connection on, on with your leader hand, you're looking at the welded loop in your, your line hand, and you see that start to widen that's time to start from scratch. But for most trout fishing, for most warm water fishing, and for a lot of saltwater fishing, uh, especially kind of the, the closer to shore estuary style and even, um, you know, surf casting style of, of saltwater fishing, you're going to be totally fine with a quality line with a good welded loop at the end of it. The next thing to do, and this is the probably the the, the next best thing and probably what I would do if I wanted a incredibly A reliable connection would be a nail knot with a monofilament or fluorocarbon bit of leader butt section attached at the end of it. So this is my favorite approach. Um, Again, outside of a good factory-made welded loop, that's gonna you know that's what I want to use for my trout fishing. But for everything else, heavier trout, bigger bass, toothy fish, saltwater, the best way to do it is to use a heavy monofilament or fluorocarbon and go out and buy a tiny little spool of leader material of a really thick. Uh, fluorocarbon or monofilament. I'm not going to go through a chart telling you what diameter and what weight and what pound test matches up with fly line diameters. It does exist out there. I would just say go into the sporting goods store, go into the fly shop and try to find something that matches up. And here actually, this is where I would say go into like a Bass Pro Shop or going to a Cabela's or going to a... a um, a fishing store that has big game stuff, you're going to find some material that's going to actually serve you much better. You don't need a giant spool of it. You just need like a tippet spool of it. Um, But what you want to do at this point is you get like, I don't know, maybe a a foot or 18 inches of this stuff, and you take the time to tie a perfect nail knot at the end, the terminal end of your fly line, a perfect nail knot. Smooth, line up all the loops, um, do all, Everything you need to do to pull that thing tight into that line without pulling so tight that it pinches the fly line, cutting it. So I found that the best way to do that is nice smooth tension. Now I'm not going to describe how to tie a nail knot on a podcast. I can't imagine worse radio than that, but a nail knot is not a difficult um, uh, task to, to uh, engage in, uh, especially if you have the right tool, which I'll mention here at the end of the podcast, I'm going to be going back to back on uh, product placement for a recommendation from the same company. But if you have a good tool, and of course you could do this with a straw, you could do this with a lot of other makeshift things. You can tie a nice nail knot and that nail knot is going to apply consistent pressure over, you know, probably a third of an inch, like maybe two centimeters, something like that. um, over the one spot of fly line, you pull that nice and tight, and then you take your time to cut that fly line away, to cut that tag end away. And you have a beautiful, smooth transition where that knot is not adding too much bulk to the end of your fly line. And then you have a perfect piece of leader material sticking out. And then at the end of that, you can tie a nice, heavy, strong loop. Now, the next thing I would say that you want to add to this, and this is, again, the second product, and I'll, I'll give some brand specifics here in a little bit, is you're going to want to use a UV resin to coat both the knot that you tie your leader material, your butt section, onto your fly line, that nail knot, but then also on that loop. That uh, And there's a bunch of different loop knots out there. I usually just kind of, I, I can't think what you call it, but it's when you basically make a loop and you tie two just overhand knots using that loop onto itself. And uh, that is a very, very strong knot, and it has a very smooth transition to it. But you want to coat that knot also with a UV resin and then take your time to really pull it tight and then line it up such that when you cut off the tag end, it is incredibly smooth. Um, and, of course, you do that before you apply the UV resin, then the UV resin will actually uh, smooth things out more. It will fill in the gaps between the, the, the bumps, and it will also smooth off that transition. But this is what you you would do if you have to cut off that welded loop. This is what you would do if you have to, um, uh, if you buy a fly line that doesn't have a welded loop. Uh, This is a great way to fish. Because it's creating smooth it has two knots, mind you. I'm not no bones about that. There's two knots now. There's a the knot of the nail knot and there's a the knot at the loop. But they are both smooth, they're both strong, and you know what they look like when you tied them. So you're going to now look at them and be able to test them, make sure they look good, make sure nothing is fraying. And you know, worst case scenario, that nail knot's probably gonna be in good shape. Um, But if you have to retie that, then you lose an inch of fly line. You're not losing a foot of fly line. So you probably have, depending on the fly line, a couple feet to play with before you start getting into that head taper, but uh, the the less is more. So you're only cutting into a couple inches into that fly line that every time you tie a new nail knot, and then you have hopefully a long enough butt section such that if you have to retie that loop at the end of that butt section, um, the, the, the loop in the mono or the fluorocarbon then you can do that probably three or four times before you start to get into a problem with your, your uh, material that you tied on that nail knot. But this is probably the the best thing to do. And there's diagrams for this. There's videos on it. But uh, that, that's my, my preference. So that's my favorite. A nail knot with either monofilament or fluorocarbon at the end of the fly line. Secondly, that uh, welded loop. Do that if you... Um, if you need to do that, if, uh, if, if you have it, and for most trout fishing, um, th- that's going to do more than, more than fine for you. And again, I fish striper with these things all the time. And, uh, until, uh, from repeated use, uh, they start to fray, then I'm, I'm going to keep using them, uh, using welded loops. That's my second favorite, third favorite. And this is one that I don't see as much anymore, but I used to do this uh, when I worked at fly shop. Um, I would do a nail knot in loop fly line. So I double the fly line over on itself. Um, and I would cut a, a tapered, uh, cut angling away at the very tip of that terminal end of that fly line. I would double it over. So it created a nice smooth transition. And then using backing, um, using nylon backing, I would tie like two nail knots next to each other, holding that fly line into a loop. So essentially I was creating a welded loop. It looked just like it only there was a, you know, however many, 14 or 18, uh, loops of really tightly wound nylon backing, holding that thing together. Um, do that, cut those tag ends off really, really smoothly. Um, and then coat it with a UV resin and, uh, you know, it's going to work really well. It's a great way to create what's essentially a welded loop on a fly line that doesn't have one. Um, And as long as you take time, make sure everything's smooth, and test it, test it, test it, um, this should last a long time. The issue with this is, one, uh, that, that nylon backing, it, it can b- be scratched up and it will start to come loose um, if you don't do a good job of coating it or if you don't tie nice, tight little knots. And you're going to run into the same problem that you do with the welded loop, which is that loop itself, if it gets pinched or if it gets pulled too much, which hopefully, ideally, it's getting pulled a lot because of fish pulling on the near fly line, that will give out. It's a good option. And again, I would use this for trout. I wouldn't use this for really big game. Uh, I, I would use this for trout more I anything. I will say I do use this method and the, the terminal, not the terminal end, the, the real side of my fly lines for, um, uh, when I'm using it for stripers or for um, bigger game, uh, saltwater, uh, big river trout, things like that, when I want to have a quick change line system, um, I will do loop to loop with my backing to my fly line. And this is my preferred method for that, just so that there's not a bunch of stuff down in there. There's not two knots down in where my backing and my uh, my fly line come together. So this is my Preferred way of creating a loop in the the bottom section, the butt end, I guess, of my my fly line when I want to create a a quick change. You know, if I have a couple of sinking lines, a couple of floating lines, a couple of intermediate lines, uh, different uh, shooting heads, things like that, I'll use that uh, this system so that there's not multiple materials you know wedged in tightly uh, between my backing and my fly line. So that's my third preference. So first preference, nail knot using mono filament or fluorocarbon. Second is welded loop. Third would be the nail knot using loop line. And lastly is the welded loop. Oh, the welder welded, no, excuse me, the braided loop. <laughs> the braided loop. So braided loop is the like they look like the Chinese finger traps, right? And you can buy them anywhere. I think you can buy them at, like Walmart still. Um, and you thread it on there, and then it's gonna grip pretty well by just threading it on there. The issue with this is that To really affix it, you put this little plastic sleeve on, and then you heat sink it. You use heat to shrink it, and this would indeed shrink that little sleeve on there, holding on the nylon uh, uh, braided thing tightly, but the nylon would melt too, and sometimes the fly line would melt, and uh, it, uh, it never ended well. Maybe I was just really bad at doing this, but, uh, I felt like they gave you three in the package cause you were at least kind of ruin one on your way to do this. But I have had them, um, last a long time. I've had them start to fray. I've had them pull off completely. Like the, the braided loop pulls out from the plastic sleeve that had been shrunk on there. I'm just not a huge fan of these. And they also, um, they, they don't float well and they are heavier, they kind of create that artificial hinge. So that is my fourth option of four, which is last place, not on the podium, not getting a metal. The braided loop, I'm not a fan. I use them for years and years. I inevitably, there is a few spools of line somewhere in my real cabinet that still have these on there. But if I find them, I will dispatch them as soon as I do. So a few things to think about as you are looking at your fly line. This is something, you know, this is being recorded in the middle of November. Maybe you're going through your stuff and cleaning it. Uh, go through, look at how your fly line attaches to your leader. Look at your different connections. Take time to test them. Really give them a hard jerk because no matter, you know, if, if you think, well, I'm not gonna create unnecessary uh, problems for this, well, better you than a fish and better you now have time to fix it. If you're not gonna fish again until springtime, now you have time to fix it. Take it to a fly shop. If everything I said today sounds scary because you don't trust yourself to tie a good nail knot, then take it to your local fly shop. They'll probably do it for free, assuming you you know you buy flies and you're not just a, a, a moocher. But uh, this is something to think about. It's a very easy way to improve your casting. And. Honestly, uh, like I said before, if you have bad loop-to-loop connections, having a good nail knot using a good monofilament or good fluorocarbon butt section tied to it and creating a nice small loop at the end and all those knots being good and covered with a good UV resin you're going to really appreciate the difference that that makes in your casting. It's going to keep that fly line floating at the terminal end. It's going to have a nice, smooth motion as it goes through the air. And it really does make a difference. It's a small thing that can make a lot of difference. And in my mind, that's what we're talking about and listening to for 20 minutes. This week on castingacross.com, Hooked for 25 Years is the first article. If you want to see a picture of me at the age of, I think, 15, wearing a satin Chicago Bears jacket, a Zebco uh, red rhino hat, some big bill dance sunglasses with a fly rod in my mouth, not the cork, the butt section, mind you, Uh, holding a very, very dark brown trout, my very first trout that I ever caught on a fly rod. Um, that's what you'll see. If you go to castingcross.com and looked at the article hooked for 25 years, but I talk about what really got me into fly fishing and I'll give you a hint. It wasn't that fish, which I caught on my second cast ever with a fly rod. Wednesday's article is called Streams of Heritage. Actually, the article is called Watch, Streams of Heritage. Streams of Heritage was is a short film that was put out by some gents. Uh, their YouTube channel is called uh, Frequent Flyers Fishing, and uh, I absolutely loved it. I mean, I wouldn't say it's the best thing in the world, but in a world of uh, high-fiving, soaring guitar solo and or throbbing techno, uh, fly fishing artsiness, having a video that is composed of, uh, old timey photographs and conversations with people that are boots on the ground, um, is really, really exciting. And I really enjoy it. And, uh, it's talking about the cast area. So the cast area is not like my fly fishing backyard. I fish there quite a bit. I absolutely love it. It's one of my favorite places to fly fish here on the East coast, um, and, but it, it is one of the birthplaces of, of American fly fishing and so this is a great 20 minute video watch it in your lunch break watch it as you're going to bed uh, show it to you know somebody who's interested in the aesthetics of fly fishing uh, a'll talk about casskill dry flies it's it's great great fun I have nothing but high things to say about it and I'm excited to watch more of the stuff on frequent flyers um, YouTube page this week's recommendation on the podcast actually two products all right two products It's to do everything I talked about and do it well, specifically that connection of the terminal end of your fly line to mono and fluorocarbon today in the podcast. And they both come from Loon. I talked about Loon last week, but when you're talking about little tiny stuff, Loon generally makes really, really good little tiny stuff. The first thing is the Ergo Knot tool. And... You know, you could use any number of makeshift items, but for a few bucks, you can get a really good knot tool that has a good handle, um, and everything is precisely the size you need, to, you need to use to tie a good nail knot. I've owned a handful of nail knot tools over the years. Um, you know, you have to spend seven more dollars to get free shipping, and you're like, ah, I could use that, I guess. Um, and this one is by far my favorite, and partially because of everything is rounded and easy to grab. And then the second piece is Knot Sense. So this is a knot Based, well, not based, a not formulated, a a epoxy, uh, a resin that has been made for sealing knots from loon so you dab it on there it's a, it's the right consistency i've enjoyed using it i've never had problems It's never goopy it never creates a bubble as long as you use it well and then you zap it with uv light and now you have a nice smooth transition where your knot is um, and for the the formulas i gave today you use it twice on that nail knot with a Marno or fluorocarbon uh, butt section So I'll put links to both of these products on the show notes for this podcast's page over at castingacross.com. Thanks for listening to the Casting Across Fly Fishing Podcast. Please subscribe to your favorite podcast app and rate the podcast on iTunes. Then head over to castingacross.com for three posts a week on the people, the places, and things that go into the pursuit of fish.